This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, along for the ride here on a, well, a, a bit of a less humid Saturday morning. What, what are you talking about? I could cut that oh, air with a I knife. Guess, well, I left. It is so thick out there. Ah, uh, see, you well, can't it wasn't see the when tops of the buildings. Okay. Oh, I don't know where I've you been left here, from. I've been here since, well, early 7 o'clock. Uh, and, it was thick uh, then, yeah, too. Well, oh, golly. Okay. But it's it's going to be another steamer today. Well, yeah, that's, right. we had a tiny bit of rain last yep. night. Just the tiniest little smidgen. Jeez, up in the Newmarket area, we got pounded. Oh, did you? Yeah, last we night? looked out the window, and my gosh, the driveway, big puddles. Oh, okay. Well, good. So, I, I was on the edge of that, yeah. I think, because I'm further south than yeah. Newmarket. And I did, I've been like trying to monitor the, the whatever rain falls. So I do have a little rain gauge. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at maybe, I caught about half an inch of water in my rain gauge. But my rain barrel got filled up mid two thirds full. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah. So it was empty. Well, it's been empty for a while. It's as, been as you super know, dry. Uh, I, I was down, Shirley and I were down in the uh, Prince Edward County area. Yes, you and have, I'm you have a lovely you, suntan. Well, thank you. But I'll tell you, the folks there are really oh, suffering. They haven't yeah. had rain in about three months. I know since wells spring. are drying up and the oh, yes. ponds are down. You know, oh golly, the, gar- the uh, farmers are crying. I mean, Lawns are just parched. decimated. Everything's oh, perched. Golly, I feel so sorry for them. But I know. They, yeah, we've got to dry, but it's drier. Oh, and certainly yeah. get out Ottawa way, I yep. think it's even drier again. So, yeah, it's just been a wacky summer. Hot, Indeed. hot. But you know what? But I rain get... is in the forecast. But go ahead. Yeah. Okay, I better give out the phone numbers here. Oh, okay. Because folks, I'm sure, want to talk yeah, to you. Think? Yeah, <laughs> Charlie Dobbin, the uh, landscape uh, garden, well, no, landscape expert. You are the expert in all things gardening. Okay. I am a horticulturalist and landscape designer, if That's... you'd like to know what I am <laughs> okay. and what, I, what I'm what i I'm a pro at. Yes. Yes, indeed. All righty. Oh, here's the number for the Toronto area callers, okay? 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere in the province, it's toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Remember, please to let Sebastian know uh, if you're a first time caller, and then when you're welcome to the air. You'll hear that, and that'll be for you to get your garden wings. And please call early, call often, one question per call. We try to keep that, you know, so that we can get a number of calls on the air. That's right, because there's always lots of people yep. with lots to say, and not just questions, but often comments and exactly. ideas and suggestions for other people's you problems. got it. Hey, um, speaking of weather, remember last week I mentioned that we have a listener in Northern Ireland, a gentleman oh, yes. named David Hardy. Uh-huh. So he was he listened to the podcast uh, during the week and he tweeted back and he said, thank you so much for the shout out. But he also said that he's happy to share some of his rain. He says 
in Ireland, we have had a very wet summer. And then he says, hashtag 50 shades of green, not called the Emerald Isle for nothing. <laughs> right. So, yeah, yes. so, and you were there in June. Yep. Did you have a lot of rain? Actually, we, we were quite fortunate. We didn't have that much, but you had some days. Yeah. That, there was only really one day when we were going to see, oh dear, the Cliffs of Moher. Uh-huh. And uh, where the the, the uh, land is like seven hundred feet above the ocean, and it was violent. I mean, oh, you couldn't see ten feet in front of you because of the tremendous rain. But that's the only day that really poured. Yeah, poured. but I guess it's been a pretty consistent yep. through the summer. I always think Ireland does get a lot of rain, but I guess this year they've had more than a lot of rain yeah, <laughs> over right. the over yeah. the summer. So that's so I bet you the people in the county would like would like to see some of yeah. that, particularly. Oh, and also last week Molly called in from Etobicoke. And she was wondering why her limelight hydrangea was not flowering yet. Uh And I said to her, I would check mine because I, too, have the same plant. And just to let you know, Molly, my limelight hydrangea is just currently setting buds that's not flowering yet. So there's no white, but there are green, certainly green buds forming on the tips. So things are happening. Things are happening. So check and let us know, but yours should be doing exactly the same thing. Green green buds forming. And, of course, with the rain we are supposed to be getting today, tonight, Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to give a push to a lot of these plants that have been in a holding pattern because it's just been so hot and dry, or going into early dormancy. Um, I have a tree in the front of my yard. It's a Katsura tree, or Cercidophyllum is the proper name. I tweeted out a picture last night uh, to my followers. There's probably 20% of the leaves have fallen Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. of that tree already. It's just going, it's just dropping leaves because it just says, too hot, too dry, yep, can't yep. deal with all this, going to sleep, go, right. going to bed early. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's yeah, like and fall I've been in watering. some areas. It's yeah. all the dead leaves on the, on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what's going on there. All right. Okay. Um, is that about it for the that's moment? That's about it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Uh, okay. We're going to scoot along and uh, come back and have a chat with uh, Brenda in Dundas and a whole bunch of other folks lined up, in, including a couple of first-time callers. Nice. So I'll get my bell arm ready to start ringing <laughs> in just a couple of moments here on Zuma Radio, the garden show on the air. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, off we go uh, out to Dundas, Ontario. There is Brenda. Good morning, Brenda. Welcome to the show. Good morning, you guys. Um, I wanted to ask you, Charlie, about a privet. Uh-huh. It isn't a hedge. Um, I bought two little pieces about two or three years ago mm-hmm. and planted them. They're very small in order to hide my, what's it called, um, compost. Oh, yeah. So they've grown all right. The leaves are fine, but they're very spindly. They're both growing out into a fan shape quite oh. close to the ground. And there's lots of spaces along the stems before I get a cluster of leaves. How much sun are they in? They only get about mid, mid-morning sun. So what, an hour or two, or yeah, an hour or two. Maybe. Yeah, so that's really what's going on. It's it's a privet is a great plant and is often mm-hmm. uh, planted as a hedge because in as long as it's getting minimum four hours, preferably more than that, hours of direct sunlight a day, it grows as quite a dense shrub yeah, and is used for hedging. For the density, and there isn't any. Right, so you don't have the density because you don't have the sunlight. I would be inclined to choose a different shrub, something that will handle the lower light levels than you have. All right, what do you think? <clears throat> well, a good evergreen in that situation would be um, a yew, a hicks yew. 
So Y-E-W. Um, they will grow in sun or shade, but they do very well in, in low light conditions. Of course, it's an evergreen, so it looks the same year round. And the nice thing is, again, you can trim it any way you want. So you right. can grow it. A, a Hicksu tends to grow fairly tall and narrow and is often used for hedging. Uh, there are other yews as well that will grow different shapes, but Bottom line is it's an easy plant to grow, and it's uh, once a year you give it a haircut into whatever shape you want it to be, and it will help certainly uh, yeah. cover the composter. All right. Well, I'll go to the garden center and check out what they have. All right. That's great. Would it help if I trimmed these down a bit? You can trim either late, later in the uh, summer, like mid-fall, or early spring. You can cut privet almost right down to the mm-hmm. ground. You oh, can cut it down to four to six inches tall, and it will grow back up. But you're not going to get around that the lack um, of sunlight. The, well, that's right. Yeah. So that looseness and that lack of dense growth is it will will be unchanged because of the low light levels. So I should move them or get if, them out altogether. If you could move them to a brighter spot, they'd be much happier. All right. Okay. <laughs> hey, thank you, Brenda. Thanks for calling. All righty. And uh, everyone dealing with the heat today, I wonder what things are like in Whitby this morning. Well, we can check that out by checking in with Violet. Hi, uh, Violet. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, I technically live in Whitby, but I'm driving. I'm in Scarborough now. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, I called about my Hoya. Uh-huh. And um, at the time, it had just a few leaves coming out. Somebody had given me this plant. Mm-hmm. Now it's got like three bark-type things that are in the, like coming out of the ground. And there's only one shoot of new, fresh Please, mm. how how would I do the um, hydroponics with that? Do I dig it out of the ground and just take the the one bark part where the leaf is growing out of and put that in the water? Okay, remind me why do you want to do this in water? I don't know. I've done it in hydroponics and it went nuts, uh. and I really love it in hydroponics. Huh. As opposed to in soil. Yeah. Hmm. You know what? I have two suggestions. One is take a photograph of what's going on with that plant and email it to me so I can give you a better suggestion on what to do next. Okay, um, that sounds like a plan. The other thing is, is that <clears throat> you know, do provide the conditions that Hoya likes, which is, of course, lots and lots of sun and dry conditions. It does prefer to be watered thoroughly, but dried right out between waterings. So, oh. so that's the other thing is if you can provide those conditions, bright, bright sun and, um, you know, thorough drying in between waterings, I think you'll find you'll get more growth on it. And then once you've got more growth, you'll be in a position to take a cutting to then go into the water with the cutting. Um, right now, all I have is these windows. So I've got the morning sun coming in like, mm. like, yeah, well, so that's it. If you've got morning sun, get it right in that eastern window. Okay. Okay. Great stuff. Yes. Thanks, okay, Violet. Thank you. All right. Thanks for being here with us on The Garden Show as we broadcast live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Why don't you well, give my email for our do, listeners? Do you know that would be an excellent idea? What I shall a, do that. Oh, thank you. I Th- thank you for the direction. Yes. I, okay. One of us has to be in charge. <laughs> well, here. exactly. And why not you? <laughs> and usually it's yeah. you. <laughs> All right. Here's, Char- here's Charlie's email. Oh, my God. Okay. It's C. Dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. 
dot com. That's okay. it. Thank you, Hello, sir. You're quite welcome. C dot Dobbin. We, we do have to take a little bit of a break here, but we're going to back and talk to first time caller and have that bell ringing for Don out there in Port Rowan. So stand by, Don. We're coming to you next here on the Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's get that little bell out here and in action. There you go. Excellent. That's for Don in Port Rowan. Good morning, Don. Morning. I'm afraid I told your man a little fib because when you get to be 80, you forget things. (laughs) But a few years ago, I called you and and told you that you were not a sous chef, but you were an under-gardener. That's right. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I didn't waste the bell. It's been a couple of years, so welcome back. (laughs) Uh, we have a forever and ever peppermint hydrangea, and it's never done much in the way of blooming. But this year, it's growing like like stink, but mm. it has no blooms at all on it. Hmm. And it's in how much sun? Lots of sun. Uh, it gets full morning sun. Mm, so good. Yeah, that's good. Like hydrangeas love eastern locations. Yeah, that's where it is. Um, okay, and it's growing well. So the so- have you done any fertilizing this year at all? Yeah, we give it fifteen thirty fifteen. And you do that how often? Uh, in the spring. So just the once. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, and f- uh, pruning. Did you do any pruning this year? Uh, I'll let my wife answer that. Go ahead. Dear. No, I haven't done. Uh, the only uh, pruning I did at the end of the season was take off mm-hmm. uh, one bloom. I left the other bloom. There usually has four or five blooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I left the other blooms for the winter. Okay. Yeah, so you, you cut one for drying to bring into the house, it sounds like? Well, it's just that I I couldn't make up my mind whether I wanted to take them all off. Or <laughs> so, I mean, a lovely plant. Well, okay, what I would suggest is that this year um, has been a very, very good year for plants that love the heat and love the dry. And keep in mind that when it gets super hot, as it's been, many plants just stop <clears throat> doing anything. They wait until conditions are better for growth. So I think with some of our hydrangeas, what we're going to see is that the flowers will come, but they are going to be delayed. They're just not going to be coming as early as we would have expected. So I wouldn't give up yet. Like I would think that it is possible you will potentially still get some flowers. If not, then it's just one of those things that hydrangeas, I'm afraid to say, are inconsistent bloomers. <laughs> they, they just refuse to give us the same beautiful show year after year. They tend to have years with lots of blooms and years with absolutely no blooms and frustrate us like crazy when that happens. But uh, if you end up with just a green plant this year, you know, cross your fingers, don't give up. You'll much more likely get blooms next year, uh, if not this year. Thank you very much. All right. Should we fertilize again? No, not now. No, but what you did sounds very, very good. Spring fertilizing is important. And now at this time of year, by the time we get to August, we are not fertilizing any of our garden plants except our annual plants, the ones that are going to die in the frost, like the flowers, the vegetables, the herbs. They can be fertilized at this time of year. And eventually we're going to give our lawns a fall fertilizer. But otherwise, no fertilizer whatsoever for any of your shrubs and trees and roses, etc. 
You guys sound like a great gardening team. You yeah. Really <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so sir. much. Okay. Thanks Bye-bye. for and join us again. Okay. Thank you very kindly. Yeah, that's nice to uh, welcome them to the show. I know. It's cool. Uh, let me see here. Oh, Eileen in Thornhill. Yes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> there we are. Another More first wings. time caller. Yes. Welcome. Hi, Hi Eileen. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Yes. Um, okay. Uh, I, I just uh, want to ask about my tomatoes. Something's actually eating holes in them. Uh, in the leaves? No, in the tomatoes. Oh. Hmm. In the fruit. <laughs> like little tiny holes or big holes? Uh Fairly good chunks. Because you know what often eats tomatoes are slugs and snails. Really? But this year I have not seen any slugs, and it's a rare snail that's survived in this heat and this dry, the dryness. Are your tomatoes staked up, or are they on the ground? They're staked. Hmm. I mean, earwigs will eat anything, and certainly there are earwigs out there. Uh, so I, you know, they'll definitely once the, once there's a little bit of a blister, a little bit of a hole started, uh, they'll take advantage of it. At this time of year, too, we've got, um, you know, what it could be something as silly. The wasps, who the the population of the the wasp population always increases as the summer goes on. And so we start in the early summer, there's very few, you know, yellow jackets or hornets around. Then by August, there's tons, and they are very thirsty. All insects need liquid, but, you know, just turn on the hose for a minute, and insects will come swarming to your hose because they're so thirsty. And particularly, we notice the the hornets and wasps. I'm wondering, it could even be something like that. It could be something as simple as an insect that's going through the skin just to get the the liquid out of the tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... uh... The one I picked yesterday, well, first of all, it started with a green tomato. Oh, yeah. And there was a nice uh, big patch out of that. Hmm. Then I see smaller holes, but then yesterday I picked one that was uh, just just almost ripe, hmm. and there was a, a nice big chunk out of it. Wow. You don't have a dog, do you? <laughs> no. Dogs, some dogs love tomatoes. They'll just pick them right off the plants. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, other than that, um, you know, I, I can't even think who'd be chewing on your tomatoes. There's a I, rabbit around here. Yeah. Ah, there you wonder. Yeah, a yeah. rabbit could do it. I mean, remember, the leaves are not tasty on tomatoes. The leaves are actually poisonous to many mammals. So, okay. you, you know, if, the, if push comes to shove, and again, it could be a, a liquid thing, that suddenly those tomatoes look awfully good and juicy to some of the wildlife. So, I mean, it oh. could be something as simple as that. It could, if the rabbits can reach them, I certainly think they'd be a te- there would be a tendency yeah. for them to chew or down on them. How about a squirrel? Um, squirrels, yes. Uh, in my neighborhood, the squirrels have been very silly this last little while. They're preparing for winter, and they're chewing on green apples and leaving messes all over the place. And there's a butternut in my neighborhood, and there's butternut all over the place. And Yeah, they haven't... Yeah, they, one squirrel like learned how to climb up a, a tall plant and then leap to the bird feeders. I mean, they're just, the squirrels are driving me nuts. Um, okay, so um, you, you talked about butternut. Well, they go after the squash, too. I have squash. Oh, do you? Well, I doubt it. Uh, you know, I, you never know, though. I mean, the thing about squirrels is it, I find in the city they tend to be so inbred, they're just 
wacky. And I'm more suburb, and, and the squirrels are getting wackier as the years go by. So obviously there's some in, inbreeding going on there, too. Hence the squirrely. Exactly. That's where yeah. it comes from. Because they're so unpredictable, and they're just nutcases. It's a, uh, yeah. Anyway, I think it's been well, a pretty good anyway, year for the squirrels. I, I, I can't be sure what's eating them, but, but yeah, <laughs> it was so, worth a try. I, well, I can't be sure either. The other thing is to get out a, a flashlight and venture out when it's dark, and you will often uh, surprise Catch whatever might yeah. be out there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Magnifying glass, Sherlock Holmes hat. Get out there and look for so because it's likely something chewing in the dark. Okay, well, I thank you very okay. much. All right, thanks we for calling. This sometime soon. Okay, right. thank you very much. Yep. Uh, welcome along to the Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM, downtown Toronto. Frank Proctor in uh, as the uh, sous chef of the garden, and of course, Charlie Dobbin. Also known as the under, 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 under gardening, as Don was so quick to point out. Yeah, thanks a lot, Don. <laughs> Barbara in St. Catharines. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Charlie and Frank. Hi there. I do apologize. I was on hold that Saturday, and I was going to be late for my appointment, and I had to hang up. Oh, uh, no worries. Yeah. No, it happens. Okay. Thanks for calling back. Okay. So this is regarding hydrangea, and I hope I didn't misunderstand. Um, last week, um, a caller mentioned about um, our hydrangea, and the recommendation is not to give much water. Am I right? Well, the idea is to water thoroughly when you water uh, and allow the plant to dry between waterings. Okay. Uh, recognize that they can look like they're dry. They can do that yes, whole limp that's thing. That's why I am calling Charlie. Yeah. yeah. Because when I bought it, um, the recommendation was to put in a sunny area and uh-huh. keep moist. All right. And so where I live and where I have it, I have to water it literally, Charlie, especially in this heat. Uh-huh. Every well, I do it in the the nights or uh-huh. evenings when it's late because it's hot up until after six o'clock down here. Right, and it's still kind of quaily. So my only suggestion in all that is. Before you water it, so you come home from work or you take a peek at your hydrangea in the afternoon and it's all limp and it looks yeah. like it's bone dry, before you pull out the hose, mm-hmm. move, get down on your hands and knees and you know grab a trowel or whatever and move the soil a little bit and see if it really is dry. Because okay. I find quite often hydrangeas are look like they're dry, they're acting like they're dry, but when you get down closer to the soil, you realize there's actually quite a bit of moisture still in the soil, but the plant is responding to the heat, and it is just looking all wilted and super unhappy, but as soon as the sun goes down a little bit, and typically the the temperatures will drop, though they haven't the last few weeks, but still, just the sun going down a little lower, the plants will perk back up. So don't, I, I always avoid watering every day or every second day, unless absolutely required. Uh, Do water when dry, but don't water if the soil is still moist. Okay, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for calling. Um, You have a great day. And you too, Frank. Oh, well, thank you very much, Barbara. Thank you so much, Barbara. (laughs) Okay. Uh, That's old stomping grounds down there in the St. Catharines area. I know. The Garden City, they call it, right? For a reason. It's quite pretty. Exactly. Well, let's see. The other direction now. Out to Scarborough's. For, uh, let's see. Oh, Elizabeth. Good morning, Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. Oh, 
Well, good morning. Morning. Um, I I have um, three amaryllis plants uh, uh, that I've had for years, and one finally bloomed this spring for me. I was nice. just elated. Anyway, I put one in my east window. It gets lots of sun. It's healthy. It's got about seven long leaves. The other two are out in the garden. Is it time to bring them in and put them in the basement and let them sleep for? When do you want them to flower? Um, for Christmas? Anytime. I'd be happy. Anytime. I was just thrilled when this one finally bloomed for me. The first time I've ever had one do it again, yet I just I, keep them. That's great. No, that's really good. Well, um, it's a good point. Uh, what we do is they will not generally go dormant by themselves, so we have to force them to go dormant. And that means bringing them in and putting them in a dark place? Dark and stop watering. Yeah. And you could do, if you did that now, it's the middle of August, uh, So, and then you're going to allow them to be in that dark, dry situation for uh, up to three months, and then you're going to pull them out of that dark situation, put them back into, sounds like perhaps your eastern window, water them once, and they should start to grow and they should start to grow with a flower stem first. Okay, yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, well, that, so you're saying three months. So yeah. if I wanted it Christmas, I should wait until September yeah. or October to... Um... Exactly. Well, that's right. So typically people will bring them in about the end of August. Okay, okay. okay. That's right. fine, then. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for calling. Yeah, Bye-bye I now. like the way Elizabeth's thinking about amaryllis right now. We haven't talked about that in a few months. Exactly, uh, But, yeah. yeah, way to plan ahead. That's exactly what you got to do. Be proactive. Exactly. And that's what I'm going to do right now oh, because yeah. we do have one. Oh, no, wait a minute. We have a couple of lines open here. So you can give a call to talk to Charlie here in the Garden Show. In Toronto, it's 416-360-0740. And, of course, anywhere in the province, toll-free, one. 1- 866-740-4740. And out in Burlington is Joan. Welcome to the show, Joan. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you, Charlie, once again. Yeah, welcome to the show. Um, my orchids. Yes. I have three. Uh, the oldest one is only about three years old, but the, the actual flower stem has died on me. Mm-hmm. And also I noticed on, uh, there's about 11 leaves on each, on each of the plants. Nice, yeah, good. And there is a little brown... Uh, marks on on a couple of the leaves. Mm-hmm. What could cause that? And why would why will the uh, the one that has died will it come back again? Okay, so if the flower stem has gone completely brown yeah. and shriveled up, yeah. then it is time to pull out your sharp scissors or pruners and just remove that entire stem. I did that, yeah. Yeah, so that will not obviously regrow. However, another flower stem is very likely to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eleven leaves is great. It sounds like you're doing something very Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Uh, For most of us, we're lucky to have seven leaves on our orchids uh, because as soon as another leaf starts to grow in the center, in the at the top, an older leaf will die off at the bottom. Oh, these ones just keep growing leaves. All of them have got about ten. The other two have got about ten leaves on them. No, it's great. So you're doing something very right, is all I'm saying. Um, so the little spots are probably, do you mist them a lot? Spritz no, I, I usually wipe it with a, a damp cloth, wipe the leaves with a damp cloth. Ah, that's a nice thing to do. Keep them clean and dust-free. Yeah. yeah. Um, spots. Usually you'll get spots from um, water, you know, being left on a plant and the water will just sit there and, and cause a little bit of a, um, it can be a little bit of a fungus, it can be a, a little bit of a rot, but I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. Um, okay. Just, yeah, just be careful about standing water on the leaves. Try and well, Actually, I, I wash them, I, I stand a pot generally in a, in a 
bunch of water, yep. a bucket of water, yep. or, or I pour, uh, pour it from the underneath the leaves. I don't get it on the, yeah. the orderly, uh, middle, middle leaves at the top. Those, those are the ones I got. They're maybe less than a quarter of an inch long mm. and maybe an eighth of an inch wide. Yeah, and that's where you're seeing the spots. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It could be humidity, the mm-hmm. humidity, the high humidity that we've had. I mean, orchids should be loving this weather. <laughs> I mean, they love yeah, humidity. Yeah. Oh, um, the two that are flowering right now have been going for about two months. Yeah, exactly. I'm very happy. This is this is orchid weather because they're, you know, originally evolved in rainforests. So, mm-hmm. you know, dappled light, high humidity, warm, very warm temperatures should be perfectly, you know, should be the best. Now, how do I go about repotting them? Uh, orchid Cause bark. Because the, the, the roots, some of the, the one that with the stalks had died off. Mm-hmm. The roots are about 12 inches long and they're sticking out all over the place. Yeah. Well, they will. That's very normal. That They always will do that. I like to repot <coughs> excuse me, about every four or five years at the oh, most. Okay. So I can leave for another year or two. Yeah, so don't be overly worried about roots. So the roots will be alright just sticking out? Absolutely. That's, that's what orchids do. The roots should be green. They have a green yeah, yeah. cast. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the tips of the roots should be a little bit silver, but also very plump, very firm, and a bit of green under that silver. Mm-hmm. It means the plant is very happy. Well, <laughs> the whole of the root feels nice and firm. Yeah, no, it's it looks perfect. Good. It's exactly what you want. Okay, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Joan. And uh, we're heading toward a little bit of a break here. And uh, then coming back to talk to another first-time caller here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, uh, time for Frankie to get some exercise for that bell ringing arm. Here we go. (laughs) Hey, Ken, out there in St. Catharines, that's for you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, you got your garden wings. Hi, Ken. Hi. Uh, this is the Garden City calling the Garden Show. That's right. Perfect. I have to say you guys do an amazing job. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I have a, a question. Mm-hmm. I cut down a ficus tree, and I took the roots out or the ground, the base of it, everything. But they, they probably had 20, 25-foot-long roots underneath the ground. And every week I have almost like a forest all over the property. Mm. And I'm wondering if you got, I have to take a weed whacker mm. and chop each one down individually to get it close to the ground. And then a week later, I've got another little shoot coming up. And I'm wondering if you guys have any ideas of how I can take care of it once and for all. So did you, you said it was a ficus tree? As in it's a, f- a high, ficus. Like a fig. And it was big. It was about four foot around, and it was 30 feet tall. And I took it down and even had the stump ground. Okay, good. But the residual roots all went all over the place. That's right. And is it in your lawn that you're finding these coming up? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a bit of a challenging one. So you did have the stump ground down. So that means you see no evidence of the stump because they, they'll grind down to about eight inches below soil level. Right on. Uh, but the roots are still alive and the roots are happily growing and will continue to do so as long as there's energy in those roots. Well, now, what you're doing is right, weed whacking off the new growth. Because remember the way it works, as soon as a, a, some, a little suck comes up off the root, yep. as soon as it breaks free of the ground and 
puts out a leaf, it starts to photosynthesize, and it starts to grow, and it, of course, is living off of uh, stored carbohydrates in the old root, but as soon as it can do some photosynthesis, it starts to provide its own energy for itself. So It seems to be worse since we had drought and no rain out here. (laughs) Funny. I mean, I've always had a few come up every year, though the tree was alive, but this year just seems to be... Unbelievable, terrible. So, and, ba- and like I say, I take the weed wax yeah. and do a job. But yeah. that's the best thing you can do is just keep yeah, removing it, any yeah. growth that comes up, yeah. and uh, and slowly but surely the roots will be depleted of energy. Okay. To speed up the process of those decomposing, though, uh, consider maybe something like mushroom compost, okay. because of course mushrooms are excellent at breaking down organic matter. Oh. And so, so that's, I mean, an idea in terms of fertilizing that area, sprinkling, top dressing, if you will, with some mushroom compost, just to encourage good life in the soil where this is happening. And that life, that biological activity will help break down those roots that are below ground. Because that's what you want, right? You want those to be broken down and you need action in the soil to do that. Very good. Okay. I really appreciate the help. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you Well, thank you, Ken. Uh, always a pleasure to welcome folks. Uh, gardeners well, from Garden City. Gardeners from Garden. You got Call it. Call yeah. into the garden show anytime. Well, now here's a little alliteration for you. Uh, a mighty hello to Millie in Mississauga. Hi, Millie. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good morning. Uh, I used to be a gardener when I owned a home, uh, but now living in a condo, I have one plant that I'm concerned about. I have a bougainvillea that I've been bringing in and out off my balcony for the last seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've always had uh, blossoms. Last year they started a little late, but this year I've had not one blossom the wow. whole time. Now, when I brought it in last year, I trimmed it a little. And then in March, I gave it a, a stronger mm-hmm. cutting back. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, did I cut off all of the uh, sprouting uh, Branches? What yeah, you shouldn't or, or, have. They, they, I mean, it, bougainvillea is a tropical plant, yeah. so it will bloom on new growth. And, of course, it probably has some new growth on it from being out on your balcony for the summer. It's probably grown a bit. And, of course, that's why we trim them back because they can get quite large. Yeah. And you've had it in lots of sun. Have you fertilized it all this summer? Well, I did when I first put it out for for a month or so, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't, and that's what I wondered whether I should have been fertilizing it all summer. Yeah, I would. I would fertilize a plant like this all summer, which is to say every two, three weeks, like yeah. you know, not every day or anything like that. But um, yeah, giving it you know a, a flowering plant fertilizer. It could be Miracle Grow. It could be you know a fifteen thirty fifteen. Yeah. Just encouraging the flower buds to form. Um, and the other thing would be, when was the last time it was repotted? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Uh, gosh, I don't even remember. Yeah. So it so, probably needs a repotting, I would think. I would think, because potting soil itself does not have a lot of nutritional value to start yeah. with. It's typically completely inert. Yeah. So that's why we do fertilize. And, of course, a tropical plant that's going to produce lots of flowers. You know, they in the spring, you always see them in the garden centers, and they come from greenhouses, and they're covered in yeah, flowers. But they... They have been fertilized like crazy yeah. to get them to that point. So well, they, you, you know, know, though, when you were saying about 
about the energy that it needs for mm. growing. The the leaves have been very large. Okay, good. Well, that's partially the... Okay, so that could be the kind of beautiful hot weather we've been having because bougainvillea yeah. loves that. But when you have large leaves, it indicates that there's lots of nitrogen available in the soil, uh, nitrogen being the first number in a fertilizer uh, uh-huh. formula. So when I said 15, 30, 15... That first number, 15, represents the nitrogen, which supports green growth, like green leaves. What you want is that middle number to be the higher one, like that 30 in a 15, 30, 15, because the phosphorus, which is the middle number, will encourage flower buds. Now, the other question I have is because we've had so little rain, should I be sprinkling it at all? Well, do you, what do you do now? You water just the pot? Yeah, but I have it set... I have a you know a big stand, mm-hmm. and then I have it set in a a larger pot where the water drains through to the lar- to the bottom. Right. So they're they're not sitting with wet feet. Good. I mean, yeah. Uh, good. That's good. But uh, but you're wondering just about wetting the plant, wetting the leaves, sprinkling the leaves. Yeah. Uh, you could. I mean, just like when we were speaking yeah. earlier uh, with Joan in Burlington, she was mentioning that she uses a damp cloth on the leaves of her orchids. It's just to keep them clean. Keeps off the the city dust, the dirt, the silt, the pollen, all yeah. those things that are floating around. Leaves are much happier when they're clean. Well, I don't think there's much dirt up. I'm on a high floor okay. in a condo. Well, so. you'd be surprised what's up there. <laughs> I mean, just the pollen alone this summer. Allergy sufferers have been just hurting like crazy the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, because there's just an awful lot of tiny, tiny, tiny particles in the air. Oh, would it hurt to just spray it? With- no, not at all. Get out your spritzer. Millie, uh, I have to, uh, I, Patrolman Proctor here, <laughs> pulling you aside because you've snuck in not one extra, but two extra <laughs> little questions there. Yeah. And uh, I got, before I become Prosecutor Proctor, <laughs> just just uh, we try to limit, you know, the number of questions from one caller, okay? And do call us back anytime. And you, even this morning, that'd be fine. But we do have to take a little bit of a break right here. And then we're coming back to have a word with Richard in Oakville. So stand by, Richard. We're coming your way here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, welcoming Richard from Oakville to the line. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Hello, Richard. Good morning. Thanks yep. for taking my call. Our pleasure. Um, my question relates to, we, I had two ash trees removed in the back of my backyard, and mm-hmm. I wound up with three stumps. They brought I brought in a stumper, and they ground it all down to mm-hmm. about 10 inches or so. Yep. Now that bed is full of that stump material. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I try to remove some of that stump material? Because when I pick up a shovel full of, of, uh, of earth, it's half earth and it's half stump material. Right, so it's chipped up wood is what it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. Quite often the, the people who do the stump grinding part of the discussion is do you want us to take away the ground stump or do you want us to leave it on the property? Of course, it's easier for them to just leave it all behind. They just leave a big pile of chips. What I would do is I'd go in there with a hole. Do you have other gardens that you could use those chips as basically uh, as a top dressing, as a, as a um, you know, as a mulch over the surface yeah, of the soil? Yeah, I have other trees. But, yeah. but when, they, when they did the grinding, and when I went up at the time I got out, it was all in, in, in with the earth, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they just drop it all back in the hole, basically. And the guy was just 
sort of raking it, and mm. I said, no, don't do that, because I thought I may have to take all that uh, wood chips out of that garden. Well, you don't have to take it out, but if ultimately your plan is to uh, grow grass seed over the area where those trees were, then you're going to want to take a bunch of that wood out, because otherwise it's going to slowly but surely decompose over the next few years, and you're going to have a big dip where that stump was. So it's best to get as much of that the wood chips out and then backfill the hole with topsoil or triple mix. Triple mix, yeah. And then, of course, whether you lay sod or grass seed on top of that, unless, of course, you're thinking about putting more trees in that same general area. No, not trees, but possibly some shrubs in that area. Okay. So if you're going to ultimately make a garden in that area, then just I would lay out where the garden's going to go. And if there, again, if there's grass to be annihilated in that area, this is a wonderful time of year now to be planning for next spring. Right. So we can be, like I've done this this time of year many times, where I lay out a hose and I lay out the shape of the garden that I want to make. And then I get out my lawnmower and I cut the grass as short as I can in that area and then I just start laying newspaper over top of the lawn Mm -hmm. and soil and some manure and leaves as they start falling in the fall and just pile everything up where this new garden is going to be and then next spring sure enough there it is. There's the garden all ready to go. The, gr- the grass beneath has died. All the soil that was there is still there. All the leaves and manure and soil I added is there. Newspapers have decomposed. And I'm all ready to go with a little bit of mixing and pulling out some dead roots and stuff to plant up a new garden. So, okay. I mean, so you could just do that sort of a thing going in a, in around where all those wood chips are. I wouldn't be overly concerned because, like I said, eventually they're going to decompose. And if it's going to be a garden, it's no big deal because you're going to be able to add soil very easily and keep the level to, you know, the grade of the garden to what you want it to be. Uh, It's when it's a lawn that it's a bit of a drag because it will sink so much over the years. Right, right, right. Okay, Okay. thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Richard. And just a quick note before we uh, catch, I think, our last caller of the day. Um, Jim called in and left a note with uh, Sebastian. I think it was Eileen who had a problem with the tomatoes. Oh, yeah. He was saying probably the culprit is the tomato caterpillar. caterpillar. Well, the tomato caterpillar is usually considered... um, Tomato hornworm, oh, right. which is that one I showed yeah. you, that Ooh. green Ugly with a little, little horn on its tail. Could be. It could be. Yeah. I mean, they're very well camouflaged because tomato hornworms are the exact same color as the stem. So you have to look really closely to see that green caterpillar. Uh, yes, they can chew on tomatoes as well. So yeah. that's a good idea, Jim. It could have been that as well. Thanks for the call. And uh, Louise from Waterloo. Hi, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I do appreciate your program very much. Thank you. Wonderful. And this is about hydrangeas again. Okay. I have one in a small garden, have two actually, in a small garden in front of my front window Mm -hmm. facing east, Mm -hmm. uh, well, facing northeast. Mm -hmm. It gets a bit of sun in the morning. Um, But the the leaves are like um, all uh, sort of yellowy green, light green, and dark green veins now. They don't look uh, as if they should be like that. No, they shouldn't. So, yeah, so they're light green, but you can see the veins as being bright green in on the blade of the leaf. And so what the that, veins are dark green. Yeah, yeah. And so what that's, we call that chlorosis when that happens, oh, when the oh. tissue between the veins has gone a pale green and a yellow color, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Leaves go chlorotic 
when the pH of the soil is not appropriate because the the pH in the soil has impact on the plant's ability to access nutrients and minerals in the soil. When the pH is not appropriate, the plant cannot access what's there and the plant shows chlorotic symptoms. So what I would do is I would get a soil, little soil test kit, which you can pick up typically at a garden center or even just a pH tester. They come with a, it's a little probe, you stick into the soil, uh, get an idea what the pH is. It's likely that what you need to do is add some sulfur in the form of aluminum sulfate or soil acidifier to your soil to lower the pH so that that chlorotic look will disappear. Hydrangeas do prefer a slightly acidic soil. Oh, okay. Now, where do I send it to get tested? Well, you're in a good spot there in Waterloo. You've got the University of Guelph just out out your window, and they have there are two soil testing labs at the University of Guelph. Uh, you can. Do you have access to the internet? Oh, yes, I do. Yeah. So just Google soil test. Um, actually, what you want to well, if you put in Guelph soil testing lab Guelph, it'll come back with what will be a, a, an accredited soil testing lab and. The people who credit or accredit these labs is OMAFRA, the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs. There are two labs in Guelph, and there's great information on their website. It tells you exactly how to get your sample and where to send it and what it costs, et cetera, et cetera. Louise, we're, we're fresh out of time here on the show, but I thank you very much for yeah. calling in. Some really helpful advice from Charlie there, too. My for all pleasure. The rest of the folks. And I will, next week, I'll come up with that um, OMAFRA site, yeah. website, because it is always good to have in your back pocket right that you ability are. to get soil tested. Okay. All right. And what about you? What are you doing for the rest well, of the I'll day? I'll be back at 1 30. As a matter of fact, new show time new from 1 30 to 3 30, live in the city. Same guys, same yeah. great show. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks to the great callers. See you next week. You're listening to Zoomer Radio in Toronto, CFZM AM 740, and CFZM FM 96.7 in downtown Toronto. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Zoomer Radio, timeless hits. It's 10 o'clock, and the phone lines are now open to reach Dave and Alan in Dave's Corner Garage. Call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free at one This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.